When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Cohn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan football begins next week. We've got the latest on the primetime matchup with Minnesota, as well as some key freshmen to watch. That and more on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Aaron, Ryan, thanks for, uh, you know, we're recording this a little later than we had intended, you know, hashtag dad life, you know, dad life. Aaron and I don't know nothing about that yet, about but, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I actually want to start with something just completely kind of uh, odd, which is the, did you watch any college football this past weekend and see the mask wearing or lack thereof of the coaches on the sidelines? Coaches. I mean, it was just absurd. Yeah, caught my eye. Yeah, in particular, the uh, Tennessee-Georgia game. I believe that's who they played. Uh, yes, the Tennessee coach, Jeremy Pruitt, was just, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's just, it'll give you a laugh, I guess. It's a serious thing, but, you know, the way that he is, he, he's got this, uh, you know, it's not the true just small mask. It's the... I guess like the gator mask they call it, like a, a bigger type okay. thing, but he, he's not wearing it. He's covering everything on his head and face except his nose and mouth. Uh, pretty much, he's just wearing it like like a hood, like kind of like a hoodie, but pulled over. It was just, it was. I, I just don't know who told him that. That's. I mean, you know, I could see in March if you were a little confused about how it was supposed to go, but at this point, you kind of wonder. But it did get me thinking. I mean, you know, the Big Ten's about to come back. It'll be interesting to see. Those coaches and, you know, the one we cover here, Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, he's been certainly uh, touting his program's diligence in this regard to kind of just their handling of, of COVID and the mask wearing and social distancing and just, um, you know, the stay positive, test negative that he keeps saying. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, sticks, sticks to it on the sideline. We've seen the NFL fine coaches and teams for their coaches uh-huh. not wearing or, or incorrectly wearing the mask. So I, I think it, this, the NCAA, I don't think would have like, I don't think they could do it, but I, I'm sure the individual conferences could, could if they choose to, but it, we, we haven't seen any individual conference do that yet. And I don't know how they would, how they would enforce it. You know, what are they, how much are they going to find them and where's that money going to go? And, and everything right, else. Right. And it's not, it's not like COVID-19 has just disappeared from college football. I mean, Baylor had what, like 40 cases within its program this week. I mean, that is just insane for, for all the people that are saying, well, they're, 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 they're being constantly tested. They're tested, you know, before the game and then they're outside and you know, whatever it's like, well, clearly it still exists though. I mean, it's still (laughs) out there and getting transmitted. So, you know, maybe not on game days themselves, but still. It's, yeah, it's important to remember that tests don't, 
create or trans, transmit the virus. The virus is, is, is caught doing other things, whether it's going out to dinner with someone or conversing with someone through a store or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Tests only catch the virus. They can't prevent them. So that, right, that's right. a thing. We, we forget sometimes these are college kids. They are going to do other things. They're going to go out with friends. And it's going to come down to discipline. You know, which team is more disciplined in their their um, out of you know practice activities. So we'll we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to, you're going to see a handful of Big Ten games probably canceled at some point. And I don't think the Big Ten has done a very good job of putting themselves in a position to to try and get out of that situation, playing nine games in nine weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we've seen a handful of games postponed. And I think they're going to continue to, especially as the as the fall turns into uh, the the winter. Yeah, and Harbaugh's a, a guy that likes to certainly get on the refs. So, I mean, will he feel that he, you know, can still still have his point heard without, you know, pulling his mask down? Because that's where I've seen it from the coaches a lot as they start to get up in the refs' face. And I, I don't know, I guess they feel like they're not loud enough with it on, so they pull it down. Um, but anyway, as we go from that kind of like negative talk of, you know, games being canceled to, hey, Michigan's opener is just a week away. Um, we now have a time for it. It is a, it is a 7.30 correct 7 30 eastern 7 30 eastern time 6 30 locally in minneapolis so yeah it'll be prime time on on abc under the lights on uh, saturday which is a important distinction night. because there are friday games I and mean, when we there, there's one one right away uh wisconsin illinois uh, i believe is the first one uh you know a week from this friday and then you know the big 10 released a schedule kind of like randomly i mean it's like here's all the week one times and then here's a few others for you you know here's some friday games and here's some uh you know the michigan ohio state game we've got a time for are those all the Friday games? Is that your uh, assessment of it? Is it there's not going to be any more necessarily? Because I would assume, but I, I I don't know. It's tough to say with these TV deals. These networks these networks essentially decide the games. You know, twelve to fourteen names ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, they could probably theoretically pick more Friday games, but I, I think for the the Big Ten to do that, I, I do think they need. Uh, those schools who agree to it in some capacity. So I don't, it's, it's tough to say. I wouldn't be surprised if they add more. Um, but for now, I mean, I, I think you've got enough as it is. Yeah. Michigan had said a while ago, I remember they weren't going to do those Friday night games back, but this was back before the pandemic when they were just talking about having Friday night games just for the heck of it. Um, you know, this year is a little different. I'm not sure if they could just say we're not doing it, but yeah, Michigan does not have any of those scheduled at least from the, the initial release, but it is a, it is a prime time game. I don't know. The fact that it's at night isn't necessarily, isn't really a scary anymore for the, for an opponent because you know, there's no fans in the stands. So, or at least, very very minimal fans as far as you know maybe family and friends or whatever but you know they're not going to have that that rowdy atmosphere that you would otherwise going to it's going to be weird it's going to be weird and and they're not you know they're they're not they're they're used to this i mean they played three night games last year including one on the road at penn state obviously under different circumstances like like you mentioned the crowd and and everything Mm -hmm. else i think the one negative i I think from the players and coaches standpoint for these night games is this kind of gets them out of out of a routine yeah i think this is different because it's the first game of the season so they haven't really been able to get into that game day routine so to speak um but if you talk to coaches and players i think most of them or maybe maybe not so much players but definitely the coaches they would prefer that more traditional noon or early afternoon kickoff um, because they're they're more regular team. They get up early in the hotel. They, they bus over. They play the game. They finish the game, and they head home. Whereas with the night game, it's everything is kind of pushed back. You're sitting there watching other games on TV all day happen, and then you finally get out there to play at night. 
you play a three, three, four hour game, and then you got to get on the plane and go home. You don't get back until early in the morning. So it kind of screws everything up just from a scheduling standpoint. Um, but you know, there is obviously excitement, you know, players do want to play at night under the lights. There's, there's an added feeling of specialness, special, I guess, specialness that, Mm -hmm. um, and and it's and all eyes, uh, you know, from the college football perspective, or most of them at least will be on Michigan, Minnesota on next Saturday night. And I know you're a big proponent of, of night games as well, Aaron. No, for us, <laughs> it, it, I feel bad complaining about this because we're just sitting there watching a football game. We're getting paid to write about it. But folks don't realize, too, like we get there like three hours, two to three hours before kickoff, and then we don't leave the press box. You know, I'm lucky if I leave the press box three hours after a game. Usually it's four, closer to four hours. So for a night game, um, luckily, you know, Minneapolis is central time, so the game will start 6.30 there. But, you know, I won't get out of the press box till 1, 2 in the morning. So it's, it's a late night it screws up my sleeping schedule too. So it's, it's, uh, hey, well, he doesn't have to feel too bad. He's definitely not alone and not liking the night games. There are plenty of fans, um, you know, that, that don't like him either. Um, now when you say the press box, we don't know for sure exactly what the heck's going to happen this season in, in that regard. Um, but we'll be talking about Minnesota more next week, I would imagine, but I, I don't think there's any harm in giving a, a little bit of a, a dedicating some time to them. Um, you know, they're a good team. I mean, this is PJ Flex fourth year now. They went eleven and two last year. Uh, you know, with with a with the Outback Bowl win over Auburn. Yeah, I mean, this team brings back a lot, including possibly you know the best quarterback in the conference, uh, not named Justin Fields. You know, they lose their star running back, but bring back you know the the best receiver in the conference too. So there's a lot there's a lot to to like about this Minnesota team, and it's definitely not uh, you know not maybe the ideal game for for a Michigan team with a lot of new pieces in Week One. Yeah, you hit it. I mean, they got some fire on offense. They can score points. They can get down the field. Uh, how Michigan responds, I think, is going to be interesting to see, given all the new pieces in, in, in the defensive backfield. Uh, we still don't know who's going, to, who's going to take up that second starting cornerback spot. Um, some names are being thrown out there at this point. But Michigan is – is. I'm curious to see how they play back there. I think that's going to be the weak link of the defense, how they're able to keep up, if they're able to keep up with Rashad Bateman, who I think is one of the best receivers, not only the Big Ten – but in the country, you know, had he opted out and not played this year, I still think he would have easily been a, you know, a first first round pick in next year's NFL draft. He's a talented guy. Uh, Michigan's going to, they would have had their hands full with him last year. Now this year with fewer guys and fewer experience in, in the backfield, um, they're going to be tested. You know, and same thing with Michigan's offense. I mean, we, we haven't seen many of these guys, whether, whether it's Joe Milton starting at quarterback, whether it's Cade McNamara, who ends up starting up front, the offensive line. Uh, they're going to be tested uh, on the road against another Big Ten team. And that's the thing here to remember. Uh, yes, Michigan was supposed to start open the season against Washington. You know, at the same token, they had a few other non-conference teams to kind of get to get ready for the Big Ten season. That's not the case now with this nine-game season. It's You're starting the Big Ten season right away. You're, you're getting going right away. And, we're, you know, and they're not going against, you know, a, a, an Illinois or a, uh, you know, a, a Rutgers right away. It's, it's Minnesota, who arguably is one of the better, one of the better Big Ten teams last season. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Aaron, you know, you mentioned the uh, some of the questions in the in the defensive backfield. Let's let's kind of transition there. Uh, Harbaugh on, on the radio earlier this week, um, you know, kind of threw a new name into the mix to, to potentially, uh, you know, grab one of those spots. Yeah, he went on uh, the Inside Michigan Football Radio Show Monday night. He, he does most weeks. Uh, he was asked uh, about mainly about, a lot about the defense. We, we, you know, he didn't say a ton newsworthy, but he did say, uh, that you know, safety Sammy Faustin, redshirt freshman, uh, played in a handful of games last year, mainly on special teams. Uh, he has been moved from safety to cornerback. 
Um, now that tells me it signaled, and we've we've had a lot. Of, now we've had a lot of conversations in, in recent weeks about the cornerback position. A lot of names there. Uh, a lot of guys vouching for that second spot. Um, it sounds like they haven't found someone yet. Uh, now Don Brown, I think last week said Jamon Green was the leader in the clubhouse there. Um, but the fact that they they've moved Faust and over within the last week tells me that they're, they're, they're concerned about the position. Uh, they got several guys, like I said, there. DJ Turner's name has come up. Jalen Perry's name has come up. Uh, a lot of names there, not a ton of experience, and no, no, no one who's really um, you know, shown to be a reliable you know, um, option back there yet. Yeah, and going against Bateman, week one, who averaged over 20, 20, 20 yards per reception last season in total over 1,200 yards. So, I mean, that guy is elite. So they're, like you said before, they are going to have their hands full week one. And, and Ryan and I have been debating about this the last few days, but I'm curious. I'm, I'm really curious to see how Michigan defends against, against Minnesota next week. If they go with a, a five back defensive backfield, if they, you know, double up Rashad Bateman with Daxon Hills as a, you know, a nickel back, uh, they've got a lot of options there. Um, and like I said, a lot of names, um, but no, no one, I think, that could really hold up with someone like him. Now, had, had Ambry Thomas not left, I think Ambry would have been the obvious answer there to, to pair up against Bateman. But Bateman's he's tall, he's big, and he's quick. He can move. Uh, so, like I said, Michigan's it's going to be a tough task. I'm curious to see how they defend him because if they let him get free and they let him have a big game, uh, it, M- Michigan's going to be in trouble, I think. The game within the game, as they say. Okay, and then, you know, you're talking about, you know, one freshman there in, in, in Faustin who could be, be seeing the field. We've got... Uh, you know, others as, as well that could be in the mix for some actual playing time. And Ryan, you wrote a uh, a thorough story on this. I enjoyed it. I actually, I'll admit, I did not read it when it first came out. I missed it. But uh, in preparation for this podcast, I did. And I learned a lot. Um, so, yeah, I guess if you could kind of kickstart the, the conversation on on who are some of these, um, you know, freshmen that might see, see the field uh, and, and actually be effective for Michigan here in 2020. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of true freshmen that see the field for Michigan this year, not only because they are really an experience from last year, um, but, I mean, they don't have to worry about any red shirt rules this season. It, it, it's it's not going to count against the year of eligibility for, for any player. Um, so, it, I mean, last year, Michigan had eight true freshmen during the red shirt, but I, w- I could see even more playing uh, – playing this season. I don't know how much of a role they will have, but they're, I pinpointed five guys that I think could have a, not a huge impact this season, but could definitely see the field and, and be relied upon in 2020. And I think it, it starts with the, the freshman receivers, um, Roman Wilson and AJ Henning. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously with Nico Collins gone and plus three black and Donovan people's people's Jones, in that gone, I mean, it, they need someone to step up, and there's only six scholarship receivers right now. And coaches have have raved about Henning and, and Wilson so far in, in preseason, and uh, they're going to have to show that they can be relied on and catch the ball. But I mean, their speed and, and their athleticism can't be denied. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see how they're utilized. I mean, I think. Uh, Wilson might be more of a, a deep threat than Henning, but Henning can be used in, in multitude of ways, whether that's on jet sweeps or put him in the slot and, and run some, some bubble sw- screens with him. Um, he could be a versatile weapon for, for Michigan. So I think it starts with those two guys. And linebacker Nikai Hill-Green has, uh, was a three-star guy coming out of high school, but he enrolled early and, and kind of got in the program before some of these other guys. And um, whether it's been Cameron Grown or, or Josh Ross, I mean, they've 
they've hyped him Hildreen up a lot so far. And same with Don Brown mentioned that he's in the mix and could be in for a backup role right away. So look for his name this year. And, and, and Blake Horm's another guy uh, in, he's part of a crowded running back room, but his skill set is more of a Chris Evans type being able to uh, catch the ball out of the backfield and make some people miss uh, in open space. So we'll, I'm sure Chris Evans will be the number one receiving threat out of, out of the backfield this year, but it definitely sounds like Corum is going to have some sort of role either on offense or on, on punt return too. So he, 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 he's an explosive player that, that can rattle off some big plays when needed. So I don't know if Aaron wanted to weigh in on, on a couple of these guys too, that, that he thinks could stand out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important to look at when you're looking at true freshmen and engaging, whether or not they're going to play you. I think you have to start at the position group they're in. Um, if that position group is deep and experienced, you can't expect them to play much. They're just not going to fit in there. There's not going to be enough reps for them to get in. And in the positions you just mentioned, and or Ryan, receiver and linebacker are, are relatively thin. You mentioned the scholarship situation at, at receiver. Um, it's a similar situation at linebacker where there's there's some guys there, but not a ton of experience beyond Cam McGrone and Josh Ross. So right now, you know, I, I released my, my projected depth chart a couple of weeks ago, but I had Nikai Hill Green in there as a backup at the weak side, the will behind Josh Ross. So, you know, if it should injury go down or something happen to Josh Ross, the kite will probably be in there right away. So I, I think that's key in, in analyzing these guys and their ability to play right away. But special teams is key too. I mean, if you've got speed and ability, the coaches will try and find a way for these guys to get on the field, as we saw last year and, and in previous years. Um, a couple of the names, I think you mentioned Blake Corum. Michigan intends, in and, and Jay Harbaugh said this last week, they intend to play Blake Corm right away. They've already got a deep running back room, but I don't think in this situation where there's so many unknowns, the quarterback and the offensive line, I don't think you can't have enough running backs willing and able to play for Michigan. Between coronavirus and their, you know, the, the mysteries on offense, I think they're going to try legitimately try and use three and four backs. Um, you know, in fact, Jay Harbaugh said at one point that they have sets in that have two running backs on the field at once. So that I think that opens opens the door for Blake Corum. Makari Page is another guy that's come up uh, as a potential second or third string safety. And given Michigan struggles in the defensive backfield with depth, especially at corner, if you see one of some of these these safeties move over to, to tr- play corner like Sammy Faustin just did, it kind of opens the door here for, for a Makari Page or another potential safety that that plays well in the in, the, in camp uh, to, to get some reps and see playing time. And Ryan mentioned this right. Sorry, Ryan mentioned this right away. But I think it's important to to reiterate the thing about eligibility because uh, it's just something that coaches don't have to worry about at all. Now, I think I don't know if it was last year, two years ago, when when the whole four game thing kicked in, that was that was a huge step. Okay, a couple of years ago, I mean that was that was a huge step in in allowing you know programs to play guys with with less concern about burning that red shirt because, you know, they could get them on the field for four games and it, you know, as long as they didn't exceed that, it didn't, it didn't count, but to have, to have no games at all, can't, you know, you're, you're, you get a free year. I think that's huge because right from the start, you don't even have to have a, a clock, you know, literally the first game you can be putting guys out there if you want, um, you know, with no concern if they don't pan out or, or whether they do, there's just, uh, you know, it, it's not going to uh, affect anything going forward. So, um, and they might have to remember this is a unique year with the coronavirus. If, if a couple of players end up having to sit out or they get infected and they, and they have to quarantine, 
in uh, Jim Harbaugh and some of the assistants have addressed this, that, you know, they're preparing not only the first and second stringers, but the, the, the true freshmen and, and, and the guys, the guys on the back of the depth chart, they have to be ready to go just in case something were to happen. So this is going to be a unique year just in terms of, I think, seeing guys play and utilizing true freshmen and everything else. Um, because before, like you said, it, there's the four game limit where you can kind of get their feet wet and see what they could do in a live game situation. And then you can kind of gauge from there, whether or not you want to continue playing them or not. Now you can just throw them out there and see what you got. And if it, if it's, if it works great, it sticks, you keep playing them. Uh, and if not, you know, you got other players to go. So this, I'm curious to see how they juggle this, this true freshman uh, recruiting class situation. And, and another uh, key misconception that goes along with, with true freshmen is, um, a lot of people think that, okay, the highest ranked freshman will, will play first, but that's not always the case. I mean, people forget that, that recruiting rankings don't necessarily always mean take into account college readiness. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of these players uh, project to be top players in the future, but that doesn't necessarily mean that from day one, they're going to be ready to step on the field and make an impact right away. And, and another thing, too, is a lot of these guys that we mentioned, Makari Page, uh, Natai Hill Green, Blake Porum, they were all early enrollees. Um, so they're able to get, I mean, there wasn't spring practice this year, but they're able to get into the program earlier, start their, their weight training earlier and, and be around the program. And that experience is crucial to be able to see the field early on in their career. So it should be, that's another main factor when, when thinking, trying to project who, who might see the field early on. Another name I'm going to throw out there too. Uh, his name has come up quite a bit at Viper. Um, he's, he's probably second or third in the depth chart at this point. Uh, William Mohan, uh, Mohan, Mohan, I don't know how he's pronounced it, but he's, he's, he's impressed. Apache um, Mohan. Uh, but yeah. His uh, nicknames Apache. are thrown out there quite a bit. Don Brown said they call me Apache. Um, but well, he, I guess he's shown, he's shown flashes of good things in practice. He's, I guess he's got really good speed. I think he's in fact, uh, uh, Brian Jean Marie the other day on the radio, the, the new linebackers coach was talking about Mohan and he said, obviously, he doesn't have everything together just from a playbook perspective. And he's still trying to, I think, um, you know, uh, bring it, you know, bring everything in. But he's got he's got the speed that's able to play at the Big Ten Division One level. So they could they could throw him out there and see what they got, um, especially in pass rushing situations where they're trying to get to the quarterback. So uh, I, he could be he could be in there as well. Um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't rule out Andre Selden at some point, especially if they need help at nickel. Um, so there, there several of these guys on this list. I'm, I'm just going up and down the, the, the recruit the 2020 recruiting class list. Several of these guys can see the field at some point, especially this season. Yeah, and, and Mohan was another example of a guy that was a, a three-star prospect coming out of high school. I spoke with his with his, with his high school coach today, and I mean, playing from playing in Brooklyn, New York, not necessarily a hotbed of, of college prospects. I mean, Erasmus Hall is a, a top program in the state, but. Uh, his coach thought he was overlooked out of high school, but I mean, he was absolutely dominant. His his junior and senior year had 13 sacks both both years, and uh, yeah, he believes that that he can step in right away. And was one of the most fiercest players he's ever coached on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if you see Mohan in there, even if it's on special teams. Um, those kind of tenacious tenacious players. Um, Don Brown likes to to use them on, on special teams as well. So definitely look for, for his name to be called on a few occasions in, in 2020. I think right off the bat, to me, the, the guys that jump off the paper in terms of playing right away and immediately and, and, and with volume, I think have to be the receivers, Henning and Wilson. I think just based on the lack of depth of receiver and the offense that Michigan plays with, 
you're going to just, you, I think you're going to see those guys on the field quite a bit, especially if an injury happens to another one of the receivers. Obviously, Michigan's got Ronnie Bell back. That's great. Uh, he, he provided for a lot of production last year. Um, but keep in mind, Sam still and Josh Jackson, well, well, they look good at times last year. They, they haven't proven themselves yet either as, as, you know, as number two, number three options. So you're, you're going to see, I think, a lot of internal competition there with some of those younger guys, especially the slots, sl- slot positions. Um, so I, I would not be surprised if you see those guys early on the field, week one against Minnesota, you know, running routes and, and trying to get open. And yeah, look how much like the, the Sandra Stills and the Giles Jackson and Cornelius Johnson, they saw the field a decent amount as freshmen too. And that was with Peoples Jones and Nico Collins and Tariq Black and, and, and Ronnie Bell already there. So, I mean, and imagine how much that they could utilize Henning and, and Wilson when, when those experienced receivers are gone. So yeah, I, I definitely agree there. And close with just a little basketball talk only because tomorrow, Wednesday, the, the 14th is the first official day of, of practices uh, for the season, which is supposed to start November 25th. We don't know any of the games at this point, kind of waiting on the Big Ten to at least, you know, put out a, a, a schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan tries to, you know, host its own, uh, you know, tournament for non-conference games and then, and then you know, just play its Big Ten schedule as you know, as it always has. Um, but we did get to talk to, I think even from the last podcast, talking to Jawan, and then uh, today talked to uh, Isaiah Livers and, and Franz Wagner. Um, you know, I asked uh, uh, Isaiah, like, hey, if, you know, you had a game tonight, who would be the starting five? And, you know, he said, he did answer. He said, you know, him along with uh, Eli Brooks, Mike Smith, uh, Wagner and uh, Austin Davis, which is not really a surprise if you kind of just look up the you know look at the makeup of the roster and the positional groups and, and who's returning. Um, you know that wasn't that wasn't a shocker by any means. Of course, we have you know uh, more than a month until the games actually begin, so there's time for that to change. But you know that's what he that's what he said for now. So Mike Smith, a graduate transfer, you know presumably there in in the backcourt at, at at point guard and you know with with Eli Brooks a returning starter as well as Franz a returning starter and then Austin Davis kind of filling in for you know the the void left by by John Teske at at center um, but they'll they'll certainly need need a, a freshman to step in there uh if it's going to be one it's going to be Hunter Dickinson at some point you know at, at that backup center role so that's just something to look forward to as practice begins tomorrow for the season it feels so weird thinking about basketball season when when the football season hasn't even started yet. I know it is, it is, but uh, yeah, and you're gonna have, yeah, you're gonna have more of that. Well, not necessarily more of the overlap than normal. It'll just be, it'll just be interesting uh, with the with the start of the season where where football will be at that time. I guess who who really knows? But yeah, official practices can start. They'll start doing more five on five stuff. Yeah, uh, with you know coaches on the court more and just more more time with with the players here as we get going. So. Yeah, that wraps it up for this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thanks for listening.